Welcome everybody to a very special edition of Wavelengths. We have a great guest for you, former Corn Ferry player, current sleaze man, co-host of Golf Subpar podcast, Drew Stoltz. How are you today, sir? Steven, I'm doing great, my man. I appreciate that. Current sleaze man. I like that. That's a good, that's a good intro. Um, but yeah, man, happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it, bro. Absolutely. So I want to get right into it. Your shirt says get get amongst it. When you were out there on the golf course, when you were, you know, being a pro, when you were a kid, what is it about golf that is just your favorite part of the game? Man, um, that's a good question. I think it's the one sport where like, all right, I played all other sports growing up, right? I grew up in Colorado. So like wintertime would come. You couldn't play golf, even if golf was the only thing you wanted to do, like tough break, you know, middle of October, it starts snowing and it doesn't stop until, you know, April somewhere in there. So you had to do other things. And I think I liked golf the most because it's all you, you're the only dude with the ball. You don't got a pass. You can't blame the refs. You can't blame a teammate. You can't do any of that. It's just the one sport where like every, you control your practice, you control what you need to work on more or less. You don't really have a coach, or at least I didn't when I was starting, it was just kind of on you to get better. And it's one of those games that like, you can never master, you know what I mean? Even the best players in the world now, like they got bad weeks and things like that. So it's just that constant grind to try to get better uh, try to improve, but you also, it's all you. It's, if you fail, it's on you. If you succeed, it's on you. And I think that's pretty unique because there's so many team sports out there. I mean, maybe, maybe tennis would be a comp, you know what I mean? Where you're kind of the only one out there, but uh, man, once I got into it at about 11 or 12, it was, it was all I wanted to do for a long time. In golf, especially, I think it's a very hard sport to compare yourself because for example, if you see like PGA players, they're obviously the best of the best. But then all the other sports, there's so many other levels to it. The MLB, there's three minor leagues. The NFL, there's college, there's high school, there's division two. Golf, it's like PGA, and then that's it. So how old were you when you realized like, oh, I'm, I'm like really good at this. Like this could be something I do for a long time. I think I really, like when I first started getting into it, I was, I was a little late by today's standards, right? Now you got kids that start specializing in a single sport at, you know, six, seven, whatever. And they're getting coaches and doing all that. I wasn't like that, but I really started to get into it when I was about 12 was the time I started to like love it. And that's what I wanted to do. And sun up to sundown all through the summer when I wasn't in school, that's all I was doing was playing golf. And the more and more I got into it, man, it's one of those things like the more I started playing, I started entering little local junior tournaments and things like that. Right. Then you win, you know, you win a couple of those You're like, Oh, wow, that's cool. Then you start entering some state tournaments. Right. And then you start winning. It's like that success. As soon as you get some of it, no matter what scale it's on, no matter what level it's on the smallest thing or bigger things, like you want more of it. You want to see like, all right, well, I'm, I know I'm good at this level. How good am I compared to guys in the state? You know, all right, now I know I'm pretty good in my state. How good am I against other kids across the country? And like, the more you, the more you have success, the more you want, you want more of that. And so I start, I mean, when I got out, I was doing what all the junior golfers do, you know, I played local stuff, won some of that. Then I moved on to some state stuff, won the state high school golf tournament um, as a senior, finished runner up as a junior. Then I went and, you know, I was playing AJGAs all throughout that time, had some success in that. And then it was like, all right, now we go to college and see what we got, you know, and you just kind of keep going and keep going until finally, you, you know, you get out and you're playing professionally and, and you, you play with some of these guys that you see, winning on the PGA tour and making millions of dollars and things like that. And you see like, man, the difference really isn't that much. You know what I mean? Like I could beat this guy on any given day is just as easy as he could beat me. But the thing that makes it tough with golf is like, all right, let's say you're a great college football player, right? You're going to get drafted. You're a great college basketball player. You get drafted. Like you automatically get in your shot 
at the league. Whereas in golf, pretty much the only way to get there is Q school. And I've seen guys that I thought were world beaters had crazy talent, go to Q school, miss. And then you got to wait another year. You can't get another crack for another year. Really. Maybe one or, you know, maybe Monday into an event or something like that, but you got to wait a year each time. So each year that you don't capitalize on Q school, man, that scar tissue can build up. And it's just unique in that regard. Like you can be a great player, but if you don't play great at the, the right time of the year, at some point during your career, you're never really going to get your shot. And I think that's what makes golf so different. And that's why I like Q school, especially when you could get a PGA tour card right out the jump. Like that was the most intense sporting event that I can think of. Cause you're, it's literally could be the difference between playing for millions of dollars, having a great life living in mansions, or it could be riding in a car with four other dudes staring at, you know, motel eights and playing in podunk, wherever playing mini tours. And the, and the line is that fine. And that's what makes golf pretty cool. It is, it is uber competitive. And there's a lot of guys that probably could hold their own on the PGA tour, but the guys that got out there and have that chance, they all had to earn it at some point and sack up in a pretty uh, intense situation like Q school. Golf, as you said, you're out there, you're by yourself, you control your own destiny. What, was, was there ever a time that you just felt very discouraged by the game that you loved and thought like, oh, I might not be like that guy? Or did you know early on, like you said, you won a bunch of tournaments. Did you know that this is something that you will excel at? Yeah, I mean, my most, I guess, if you want to talk about like peaks and valleys in the game of golf, my biggest valleys were I had to go to Q school I believe six times until I got to final stage, which is where you got to go. And, um, you know, to get, play your way onto the corn Ferry tour, the PGA tour, it was corn Ferry at the time that I got there, but I had missed at second stage, <clears throat> excuse me. I had missed at second stage a number of times before that I got into second stage probably four times prior to that. Um, I missed my first two years, I think. And then the next four years I got to second stage and missing at second is almost as, you might as well have missed it first. You get nothing, you know what I mean? But you get so close. And there was years where I played terribly from the start and wasn't really ever close. There were years that I was inside the number and then fell outside the number on the last day. I had close misses. I had far misses. But man, when you when you miss at second stage, it's like if you get to third stage, you know you're getting something. You're at least getting a Corn Ferry card. You're getting some status. You have the ability to get in tournaments, make some money, reshuffle up no matter where you finish. And if you miss at second, you get nothing. And I mean, dude, I had some times after second stage where leading up to it. I'm playing with buddies that are playing on the PGA tour. Like I said, making millions of dollars, having huge success and I'm beating them or I'm hanging with it. You know what I mean? Like I never felt outmatched in any of those things. I was like, dude, I'm good. I know I'm good enough to do this. Now I just have to go do it in the one week where I really have to do it. And um, it's so easy to put so much pressure on yourself that you kind of, you kind of cripple yourself. You know what I mean? With like thoughts like um, of failure and things like that. And I, I missed that second stage a number of times before I got through in those weeks. Um, those flights home from second stage where you missed and knowing you got a whole nother year, you know, where you don't, until you get another opportunity really to move up. Like those were the, those were the toughest times for sure, man. Those, those can beat, beat, beat guys up and make you start looking in other directions um, for something to do pretty quickly. Yeah. And I think that speaks to, you really loved the game. It seems it wasn't the money and the fame for you. You knew that you were capable of this dream and wouldn't stop until you achieved where you wanted to be ultimately. Yeah, I think it was just like, once golf became my thing, it was just, I'm competitive. Like, I don't care what it is. Like, we could be playing tic-tac-toe. Like, I want to win. If it's something that I care about and that I have a, like, I want to be good at, I'm really competitive. You know what I mean? And so, like, 
when you're a guy that's that competitive and you've had success in the past, you kind of want to, you know, continue that just on a bigger, on a bigger scale. And when you don't, or when you fail at Q school at second stage, you got to start back over and you're playing against the same guys that you've been playing. And you're looking at guys in a group you're that you're playing with and you're like, man, that guy's terrible, but guess what? He's playing in the same event I'm playing in. So what does that say about me? You know what I mean? Like you, you feel like you should be moving on quicker than you, than you have. And that can be really tough, especially I think golf is a game where it's really easy to compare yourself to other people. Let's say you come out of college with a buddy or something like that. And he immediately gets the finals and gets his corn Ferry card or his PGA tour card right away or something like that. You start thinking like, well, man, dude, I, I beat that guy in college as much as he beat me. Why didn't I do, you know what I mean? And you can start to get envious of guys pretty quickly in the game of golf. It's really easy to do because there is such a drastic difference between the corn Ferry and the PGA tour in terms of like, you know, notoriety and money and all the things you, you all want to be playing on the biggest stage. So when you see guys that, that did sack up and did get through those, you know, like a Q school or something like that, uh, or they Monday qualified and had a huge week and parlayed that into more starts. Like, it's really easy to start comparing yourself to people and saying like, well, why can't, why can't I do it? He did it. You know, what's taking me so long. And that can be, that can be a tough road to go down too. So you have seen people of all walks of life on the golf course, I'm sure. Is there somebody famous, not famous, who was not a golfer, a professional golfer of any sort? Is there someone that really sticks out to you that when you saw them, you were like, oh, wow, like they can hang with me? Um, there's some really good hockey players. I think hockey translates to golf really well. So there's some hockey players I know that had like long NHL careers that are now like pretty good golfers to the point where I only have to give them like a shot or two, you know, in 18, which is tough to do to get to like a plus handicap from someone that played another sport for their entire lives and golf lives and golf was just a hobby. That's pretty impressive. I'll say this. I know he's gotten a bad rap. Um, and some of his, he's gotten a lot of exemptions and, and hasn't made the most out of them. But, uh, Tony Romo is a guy that, um, I play a lot of golf with. We've been partners in different tournaments and things like that. He's pretty damn good for a guy that got his ass kicked on the football field and tackled by, you know, 300 pound monsters over and over. And his back's been rebuilt five different times. Um, and golf was just a hobby for him. He's really turned himself into, he's a, he's a legitimate, very good golfer. He hasn't shown it in tournaments. There's two different things. Golf and tournament golf are two completely different sports. So he could go out there and play with his boys, play with other tour guys. And you can, and other tour guys would, would echo this and like, man, he's pretty good. He's a good player. You know, he can, he can kind of, hang and he can golf him a little bit um but tournament golf is a completely different animal and i think he's he's seen that in his number of tour starts that um hey i'm a good player but being good at my home course in a golf cart with my buddies is different than being good in a golf tournament with other pga tour pros and people watching and being scrutinized after every single shot but i mean he's a legit really good golfer i would say he's a a plus two handicap and for a guy that played football his entire life and like i said his body's been through hell his stuff's pretty good for, for a guy that didn't grow you know, didn't play golf exclusively for most of his life. Do you think with people that were in your situation, they loved golf at a young age and they wanted to pursue it professionally. Do you think that the fact that it seems a lot of people take up golf as a hobby, right? Do you think that they can't get over that hurdle that it's just like, a hobby and they can't make a career out of it and that's what kind of like stops them or do you think that they just are that like a hobby golfer 
I think of what gets like, let's say someone gets into golf at a young age, dude, golf is a game of failure. Like you, you stack up everyone. How many, all these guys on tour, how many tournaments have you played in your life starting in junior golf? How many have you won or how many have you top five or what do you consider a success? I don't know what you consider. Is it just winning? Well, dude, you do that. <laughs> you hardly ever win in golf. Like it's a game of failure. Whereas like you play basketball, you're going to be on some winning teams. You're going to win. It's either win or lose. And you're winning, you know, probably, a good clip of the time if you're a decent basketball player in golf it ain't that way so golf is just a game of failure where it just it can beat you up because you can go a long time you can work your ass off and it's not a sport where like work the work you put in always correlates to the score you get it can it can almost be inverse sometimes and so you can be working your ass off get out there in a tournament and not play well over and over and over and you're like man i'm i'm doing everything i can do and the scores just aren't showing up so i think it's the failure that really gets people out of the game where they start at a young age and start pursuing it, maybe start have a little bad stretch of golf. And they're like, forget this. I can't take it anymore. And like I said earlier, dude, it's the only sport where it's just you at the end of the day, there's a number right next to your name on a scoreboard that tells everyone exactly how good or how shitty you were that day. And there's no way around it. You can make excuses, say whatever, but like you can quantify just exactly how good or bad you were on that day. Very few others. I mean, you can look at stats in other sports, right? But like if, at the end of the day, if you had a bad basketball game and your team wins, you still win. You know what I mean? Golf, it ain't like that. And it's just a game that can beat you up, especially I think the higher up you get, the harder it gets, the more competitive it gets. You just don't win very much. I don't care who you are. I mean, the best players in the world are winning a couple, two, maybe three times, three, three wins on in a year on the PGA Tour would be massive. And I mean, guys are playing 25, 30 events. That's the best in the world that are winning at that clip. I mean, it, it can beat you up. There's guys that played 15, 20 years on tour, never win a tournament. You know, I mean, they're not, you got to be okay with some failure in this game and you got to be able to bounce back or else you don't last long. For you being, you know, at a high clip of golfers that people would just dream of achieving when you play around just with your friends or whomever, do you still have that competitive instinct in you? Or do you know that, you don't have to, you know, have that killer instinct with them. Yeah, it's, it's funny because it's changed a lot since I stopped playing, right? When I was playing, dude, I used to never, when I went out and played golf, I'd practice all day, then go play with some buddies. I never used to drink. I never, you know, like when I was out there, like that was work. That was my job. So I wasn't like, yo, let's grab five or six beers and go out and play. It was like, no, dude, I'm, you know, this is what I do. I'm going to try to get better. And I wanted to kill everybody I played with especially the guys that were on tour when I wasn't on tour I wanted to show them like yo I could still beat these guys and now since I've gotten out of it I still want to beat everyone but it's not as important to me as it was then like now I, I can't remember the last time I didn't go out and have, you know, <laughs> some drinks and I just have a little more fun with it because it's like my my self-worth at the end of the day isn't attached to the score that I shoot you know what I mean like it's so it's so easy to get wrapped up in like with golfers how good or bad you play determines how you feel that night or how you might behave or how you are around your friends. Cause when you're playing bad, like the whole world's caving in on you and when you're playing good, everything's great. Now I'm like, I go out and play a good round of golf. I'm like, that's awesome. I win some money, have some drinks. It's great. I go out and play shitty. I'm like, Oh, well, who really cares? You know what I mean? I haven't played in forever and it's uh, I'm still competitive. I love to compete, love to gamble. Like that's kind of what gets me going out there um, now when I play, but I'm not like all the way wrapped up in it uh, like I used to be. And uh, it, it's hard to go from that because you you're used to being at a certain level right i used to be this good and now when you don't practice don't play you don't compete in tournaments like you're going to get worse but you in your brain you still remember how good you were when you were playing and doing it all the time so it's hard to accept the fact you're just like man i'm probably not going to be 
like that very much anymore. I still have days where I go out there and I can shoot some low scores, 66, 65, whatever it might be. But my bad days are definitely way worse too. So um, you just have to come to terms with that. And I, I, I came to terms with that pretty quickly. And now I'm, I'm, I can go out and play golf and, and have a good time, even if I'm not playing great, which I used to not be able to. Yeah, and that's very interesting with former athletes that when they don't have something to take their competitive spirit into, they just, you know, they don't know what to do. And then, you know, you may see a viral video of them, you know, trying to race a shopping cart with somebody just because they need yeah. something to get that competitive edge out onto. But it's good to know that you just realized, you know, this is still the game that I've loved my entire life. And now, now it's just for fun. Now I don't have to have this pressure on myself to be the best because I'm just going to, you know, hang out and have a good time. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing when dudes stop playing sports, it's like you, your whole life, you've had that, that next game, that next start on the PGA to that next, whatever it is, you're always getting ready for something and you get your juices going. Right. And then you get out there in the arena and you're competing and like that gets, you, that gets the adrenaline going, you get fired up for it. And then all of a sudden when you, when you stop, you're like, where, where does that go? You know, the desire to have to get those juices going doesn't go anywhere, but like, I don't have a platform to, to put that towards. And so, yeah, that's what you notice with a lot of guys, whether it's baseball players, football players, whatever, they need something. That's why so many guys, I think, come from other sports into golf after they retire, because like golf's the thing they can keep doing physically and things like that. And they can work on it to get better and go compete and play against their friends and stuff. I think that's part of the reason why golf gets so popular uh, for, for athletes from other sports too. If the year 2020 was bad for a lot of people, but I think very good for the game of golf. A lot of people refound their love of the sport. They got into the sport. For somebody who's never played and never had any interest, how would you try to convince them to take up golf? I think when you first start, dude, like I wouldn't worry too much about all the technique and all that type of stuff. I think you just go out there with the I'm going to get, go play nine holes. Nine holes is plenty, dude. Plenty of golf. If you've never played golf, 18 holes is a grind, especially if you suck and then you're hitting it eight, 10 times a hole. Like you're just not going to have fun. So I'd say, keep it in short spurts, go play nine, go play five, whatever it is. And just try to have fun, whether that's drinking with your buddies or whatever, things like that. And then, you know, I think the more you do it, it's one of those sports where let's say you've never played before you go out and play and the next time you go out and you're just a little bit better or you hit one or two shots better than you've ever hit it before. It's like those little tiny pieces of success lead you to want it to do, to do it more um, because it's a game where, you know, you will see like incremental increase, especially out at the very beginning. And that's fun. And that's what gets people addicted. They're like, dude, I hit that one drive that I killed. You know what I mean? And like, I only hit one out of maybe, you know, however many drivers you hit that day, but it was that one. I know I can do it. So now I want to do it more. I want to have that feeling again more. But I would say if you're just starting, get outside, grab your boys, have some drinks, just enjoy the time and then keep it in short spurts. Cause I think, dude, 18 holes of golf is, is a long time to put in. That could be four, four and a half hours if you're, you know, hitting it a bunch of times. And, and that's just too much. Or just go to the range and slap a few, you know what I mean? That's how every kid gets started playing the game. They go out cause it's fun. And then they want more and, and then they end up, you know, playing more and more and getting better and better. That's the way it all starts. In the past year or so, I've played a handful of times with my friends and I remember how it went. The first drive, I hit it the best out of the group and then just progressively worse and worse and worse. But, you know, you're out there, you're outside, like you said, you're having a good time with your friends. And that's why the wanting to be better at it 
and beat my friends eventually. That's why, you know, I and so many others keep coming back because you know you're not going to be the best the first time out, but it's something to constantly work at. And it's just a great activity for anybody to take up, no matter, you know, age, size. It, it's just a great activity to take up when, you know, you need that fix. Yeah, and it's just a good way to hang with your boys. You know, you, you go out there, you throw a few bucks on the line, you have some drinks, you gamble, and you compete. And it's just like, it's a good way to just escape, kind of. You know what I mean? Like, you're outside, the weather's good, you're, you're having a time. You can take it as seriously or as not seriously as you want. You know what I mean? You don't got to be out there grinding, but you can still have a good time and getting out there and competing. It's, it's fun, man, especially if you got the right crew. If you got the right group of guys that you like to go out with and you're all kind of comparable or can at least have a good game with each other, I mean, it's the best. A very common question in all sports that I think golf probably has the most effect or most interest in this question. Does the equipment really matter? Yeah, it does. And I would say like when you're first starting out, you don't, it's expensive. That's the thing about golf that can be a bit of a, a roadblock for some people is that it's expensive, right? You want to go, oh, I've never played golf. I need to, what do you need? You need a set of clubs. Like that, that shit's expensive. Even if you're going down and getting used stuff or whatever, I would say if you're just starting off, you don't need Just go grab some clubs, get whatever you can, you know, try to work on some fundamentals, grip, stance, setup, all that stuff. And if it's something that you're like, yo, I like this, I want to do this more. Then I think you absolutely need to get like a, get fit for a set of clubs. I think that is enormous because it changes so much. So it'd be like, if you, like, yo, I need some shoes. And you walk into a shoe store, be like, all right, give me a pair of shoes. What size are you? No, I don't care. Well, they might give you a 15. You know what I mean? You wear a size 10, they give you a 15. Like, that's going to be hard to get around with 15s on when you're a size 10. Like, it does matter. Uh, and it matters a lot. But it matters more as you get better. Like I said, if you're just out there first time messing around, like, dude, don't worry about that. It costs too much money. And you don't know if you're going to be playing golf a year from now like i wouldn't go put that investment down but if you do it a handful of times like man i love this i really want to get good i want to spend some time doing this then it's 100 percent worth going and getting like fit for clubs and something that fits you as somebody who has been you know very good at golf for a very long time i'm sure you've had friends ask like hey you hit it really well last time can i borrow yours have you or one of your friends ever broken each other's club uh, when I was a kid, I know, I think when you get like tour players, other pros, if a guy sees you hitting a drive, like, yo, let me hit that. Like, they're not going to care because like, they know you're going to hit it off the middle and nothing's going to go wrong. Like you're a good player, but it's when like, you know, a tour player of some 20 handicap come up to him was like, yo, let me hit your driver real quick. Like, nah, bud, like you're good. When I was a young kid, um, I was in high school and I was a decent, like I said, I was, I was becoming a pretty decent little player. Um, there was this assistant pro at our country club that I grew up at who hit bombs, like bombs. He was a senior in college at the time, but he could just hit, hit it miles. And I just gotten this new driver. It was this ping uh, TISI at the time. And it was brand new and it had this new shaft. I'd gotten fit for it. You know, I was just like starting to get all that stuff. This was like my baby. And my boy comes out of the shop and he's like, yo, I was hitting drivers. He's like, let me hit one. And I was like, kind of scared. Cause I was like, dude, this guy sends it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if my, if he can even handle my, like my club can handle him. He swings it so hard and he had the first drive and he had this just seed that went over this fence at the back of our range and hit this shed and i was like oh my god and he's like all right let me hit one more and he, hit, he took one more swing and as, as he hit it the head flew off of the club and i was like i mean dude it was like somebody kicked my dog right in front, you know what i mean like i was like that is my child and you just broke it and it was it was a different time then like you could just pop it into the shop and you had to like reorder an entire new club there weren't as many like club 
companies just laying around where you could go down to the store and get it. And it took me like forever to get that driver back in the same one. And that was like, I was like, you will never hit anything that I own ever again. You're too much for it. But that, that's the only time I can remember like actual like breaking of a club uh, from someone else. Yeah, I similar situation with my friend last summer. Like the first shot I hit with it, I hit it right like on the seam of his driver. Oh, snap. You it. pop it up. Oh, um, yeah, it, yeah. It didn't go more than 15 yards. It was bad. I told him it went really far because he didn't know, but. Yeah, he still brings that up to me, and he like he claims I owe him a lot of money, but I was like, ah, you know, golf. Yeah, whatever. I've seen guys get like a new driver, and then their friends want to hit it, and the first tee shot they pop it up and leave like the, we call it the dummy mark on the top of the club. That is the scuff that the ball creates on the top face, like when you're looking down on it, and then that's like the worst thing in the world if somebody dummies one of your new driver, your new driver when they're trying to try it out or whatever. So, uh, but th that doesn't happen a lot with uh, guys as you're kind of you know play some more golf. So we're talking about guys who can hit the ball very far. No, nobody more notable than Bryson DeChambeau. In the news a lot lately, his rivalry and leaked video with Brooks Kepka. Yeah. I think great for golf. Do you agree with the sentiment? Couldn't agree more with you on that. And uh, there's a little rumor going around right now. That's the thing with golf, right? We always are trying to like create rivalries, right? When Tiger was beating everyone's head in, I mean, they, the media tried to give him five different rivals. Oh, it's Ernie Els. Oh, it's Vijay Singh. Oh, now it's David Duvall, Phil Mickels. And no one could compete with Tiger. So there was no rivalry. They were all manufactured. For the first time in a long time, we got two dudes who are at the top of the world in the world golf rankings who genuinely don't like each other. And now we got social media to just throw gasoline on that thing. There's a little rumor floating around right now that they are going to pair them together at the US Open, the first two rounds at Torrey Pines. That's the other thing about golf. Even if we do have these little brief kind of you know, clashes with guys. Golf is so different. It's not like, all right, Oklahoma hates the University of Texas, right? And Texas hates the University of Oklahoma. Well, guess what? They're going to play every year at the Red River Shootout, and you're going to get to see those two teams get on the field and, and hash it out. And it's great. And that's the best Ohio State and Michigan, right? Those are the games you want to watch. Well, in golf, dude, the stars have to align to get those two guys, both when they're at the top of their games, playing great in the same event at the same time, and then get paired together in the same group. It just doesn't, it, it's just really hard to make that happen. And the USGA, I guess, this is, a, this is a rumor, this is not confirmed, but are talking about putting Bryson and Brooks in the same group for the first two rounds at the US Open, which I think would be gold. Like even whether you are a fringe golf fan or a diehard golf fan, like you wanna see that. And it's, it's, and it's not like two guys, you know, sitting 75th on the money or the FedEx cut points list. It's two of the top guys in the world. And like, they are both leaning into the fact like, no, I don't like, you know, they're trading jabs on social media and stuff. It's like, dude, if this happens in other sports, I mean, they die for it. Why should we run away from it in golf? Like that's what you want in a boxing match or something. Two guys who genuinely hate each other. And now we got it for the first time in golf. And I hope they lean into it as much as possible. So we'll see if that pairing happens, but it'd be awesome. I'm, I'm glad you brought up how they're two of the best at the peak of their game, two of easily the most known golfers out there, which brings me to this opinion I've been forming. Is it ridiculous to say that a very casual sports fan would know more players on the PGA tour than in the MLB? In baseball? That's a good question. Um, a very casual, just sports fan in general. Well, I think a very casual sports fan in general right now, I could probably name you Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Ricky Fowler, maybe Bryson DeChambeau, just because he gets a lot of pub for all the different stuff. He, I think they could name a handful of PGA tour golfers, even if they were very, very, very casual. 
I don't know if you could do that in baseball. I mean, Mike, who are the like top names you would know right off the jump? I mean, Mike Trout. Um, Tatis. Yeah, Tatis. But I feel like, I mean, maybe it's just because I hang around with old dudes that like golf a whole lot. But I would think you just pulled a random dude off the street and he's like, oh, yeah, I kind of like sports and said, all right, name as many golfers as you can. Name as many baseball players as you can. I got to think almost the whole world can get Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. You know, I mean, I don't care mm -hmm. if you've ever seen a golf tournament in your life. I don't know if somebody could just rattle off two major league baseball players off the top of their head if they never watched baseball. That That is the exactly how I felt. And I've said on this program and on a lot of other things, baseball has a terrible time marketing itself. But golf, you see Ricky Fowler pretty much on every network you watch. Yeah. DeChambeau is in DraftKings commercials left and right. Brooks Kepka has been in a couple of commercials. A lot of people know Rory McIlroy, Tiger yeah. Woods on and off the course. Everybody knows him. Everybody, he, you know, back in the late 2000s, his spats on Entertainment Tonight and Crashing the Car, everybody knows him. Phil Mickelson is like people's dad's age, yeah. still winning majors. Everybody's going to know him. <laughs> it's so golf, even though they don't have this crazy marketing campaign, a lot of people know them and i think people that you know want to flip on a sport they might not you know put on baseball but oh tiger's winning at augusta you know on a sunday i'm gonna i'm gonna watch that for however long it takes a couple yeah. weekends ago people wanted to watch phil so it's the names attached to the sport that draw the people back and i don't think baseball you can say that but golf is absolutely the perfect situation for that yeah, they got a bunch of young dudes right now. The game's getting younger and younger at the top. And there's a lot of young guys driving more young guys to the game. And I, if you want to take just a random guy, or let's say I'm some 45-year-old random dude that really is whatever on sports. And chances are, I bet that guy plays at least a couple times a year on the, you know, a couple rounds of golf each year. I bet the man ain't going to the batting cages a couple times a year. You know what I mean? So if he's flipping between, he's got two channels on TV and he's like, oh, there's a baseball game on one and a golf tournament on the other. I bet he goes to the golf. You know, that's just, that would just be my take, but I'm surrounded by golf all the time. So maybe that's a little bit skewed, but I think there's more names on, in, on the PGA tour and professional golf that just an average Joe would know than in baseball, assuming they're not a big sports fan. So the last question I want to leave you with before you have to go, your favorite all-time course you've played. Oh, all right. Mine's, that's a pretty easy one for me, actually. I've only gotten to go there one time. I have not played Augusta National. That's on the bucket list. That's on everybody's bucket list that likes golf. That's the Mecca. That's where you want to go. But I've gotten to go to Pine Valley, which is uh, up in your neck of the woods, dude, up in New Jersey. Um, it is, it's ranked either one or two every year. And those rankings don't mean shit, by the way. Um, but they, you know, some of them do a pretty good job. But it is the best place I've ever played. And I've played a lot of good joints across the U.S. I've probably played almost all of the top 10 minus Augusta National. And that place from number one to number 18, it's not even close for me. It is like every hole. Sometimes you go to these really nice places, these really exclusive places that you've heard a lot about and you expect every hole to be a great hole. And then you walk off and you're like, yeah, there was that, there was a handful of awesome holes. I understand this place was great, but it wasn't every single hole. Pine Valley is probably the only golf course I've ever played where I got done with the round. And I was like, I don't think I can name you one blah hole on the golf course. Like they're all really good. And that place is a 10 anytime I can ever get back there. If I'm lucky enough, I would jump on that opportunity, but it is just, for my money, it's the best place, hands down, ever. And uh, that's discounted. That's not not including Augusta National because I haven't been there. Is there a shot that sticks out 
in your head from your round at Pine Valley? Oh, at Pine Valley? Let's see here. I got to play it three times when I was up there. Um, yeah, Lewitt, no, one, hold on, give me a second here. Cause I'm one, two, three. Number five is a long par three and it goes right by the clubhouse. Right? I mean, it's a beast, dude. It's like 240. We played the back back tees all the way because I wanted to see what it was all about. It's like 240. It's right by the clubhouse, elevated green. It's like a par three where you can legitimate, like a professional, you could lose a golf ball there potentially. There's a forest left and right and it's just a tough shot. And I hit a hybrid while some people were kind of out mulling around. I was playing like 245 probably. And I hit a hybrid up there just like a few feet and had to tap in, tap in Tweety on uh, that hole. That was just, um, that's the first one that comes to mind, but that was, um, that's a beast of a hole. And so that was pretty cool. An enormous thank you to the sleazy man, Drew Stoltz. If you have not checked out Golf Subpar, an incredible podcast, a huge thank you, Drew, once again. I appreciate the time and hopefully one day down the line, we'll have a, a little more to talk about. You got it, my man. Appreciate you having me on. Keep up the hustle. I respect the grind. I know what it's like. So keep at it. Thanks for having me on, dude. Yeah, not a problem. Uh, we will see you guys on the next one. And thank you, everybody.